1: To the SWN podcast, I am your host as always, Billy, and I am joined in this edition uh, by the bone collector himself, uh, Irvin Garrett. Welcome to the show.
0: Great to be here, thank you very much for having me. Um, so i forward to this one. I've
1: got plenty of notes, and when I put up that I was interviewing you, I got a lot there's a lot of positivity. You seem to be quite a <laughs> fan, fan favorite for, for wrestlers, <laughs> just like, yes, I'm looking forward to listening to this. Sir. Or uh, they they want to wrestle you at some point and it's just that's
0: like, that's that's lots of pressure. Like now I have to say something wise worldly and things like that. Oh my god, pressure.
1: Sorry, we'll just do the next hour of shoot fest and they'll just uh, just destroy <laughs> that reputation. Uh, so, the first question is always the same, so we'll just fire it in straight away. How did you get into pro sure. wrestling? What got you
0: hooked? Okay. Um so got into pro wrestling and properly in uh the year 2000. I never had Sky growing up, so I never got to see anything cool. Um, it was always just hearing about things from uh, school, from school friends. But when uh, Channel 4, at the start of January 2000, got the, the, the license to do Sunday Night Heat and I think four pay-per-views and shown on delay, starting with Royal Rumble 2000. And that's when, like, Wrestling Fever hit my primary school. Um and uh, yeah and I was primary four, primary five at the time and so it was it was the big thing in the Royal Rumble 2000 with Taz's debut, the uh, Hardys and the Dudleys and the Mad Tables match and um, The Rock winning the Rumble and then Cactus Jack and Triple H in that street fight were like the biggest deals for um, everyone at school like everyone was into it and then when everyone started getting out of it, I just kicked kept, kept in and I was sucked in and uh, have never, you know, have been a fan ever since.
1: Yeah, it's a, that Channel 4 deal, I think for a lot of UK fans, especially around about well, my age, yeah. it yeah, it's just absolutely, huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah, because well, when it started, I was nine and uh, yeah, row number 2000, arguably, I think for a lot of people, it might not be technically the best overall show ever if you're going to be critical about it. But for mm-hmm. every, I think for most folk in the UK, our age, uh, it's it's that, that perfect show because it's the one that.
0: Huge, hugely one just has huge amounts of. as has a bit of everything on it. Like it has a mad dash squash by the APA where they don't get the titles, but they squash the New Age Outlaws basically in the process. It has the Miss Rumble swimsuit competition, which is legendary for all sorts of different bad reasons. There's, uh, yeah, and then there's Aurora Rumble, which has the British Bulldog at the end of his run and Rikishi and Tukul starting their big run. And, yeah, so it's, and then The Rock becoming the hottest guy. And no Austin, so I, for a long time, even you know, even when he came back in September 2000 and whatever, I never was into Stone Cold Steve Austin because I never saw this, the 98, 97, 98, 99 build-up to Steve Austin. He was gone from the neck injury and getting run over by Rekishi. So, yeah, so my allegiance was to The Rock um, and at WrestleMania 17 I was cheering for The Rock and was heartbroken when Stone Cold sold his soul and joined the Vincent Man and... As as bad as summer two thousand one gets as a wreck of the company kind of starts to fall apart or the fans drop off and all this thing and the wrestling business just drops uh, with the loss of WCW and ECW. It was super interesting for me because it's still only I was still pretty brand new to it all. And only um, getting and only getting an hour a week and whatever I could read on the internet. Yeah. You
1: know? um, yeah, that that's a look quite memory because yeah. I this, this Steve Austin I me mean, of course I went back and watched things and you bits and pieces watching Royal Rumble ninety eight because uh, I remember the cover of it with the, the nails and Austin's head, but mm-hmm. yeah Austin was this like kind of mythical figure because yeah starting in two thousand didn't see him you just it, he was just he was still so cool, Steve Austin you didn't know and then when he came back it was like like I I was originally on the the Austin bandwagon so I had kind of the opposite reaction but uh yeah it, it was it was. It was weird going and going, I'd, oh I've heard of the Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's a he's a, a badass, but I've never actually seen him. Yeah. <laughs> um, a
0: badass. Yeah, but I but I had been playing the games, I had been playing Warzone and Attitude on the PlayStation. So I knew who he was, I knew bits and pieces of the story. But I'd never really I don't I think I'd seen any of his paper matches or anything like that all the way through back in the eight days and um, so yeah, it was, yeah, different different perspective and uh, and video games are also a big important part of this for me because um, I got into wrestling video games, I played them more than any other type of game uh, and eventually that affected my real world career path where I went to university in Dundee to learn how to make computer games uh, and ended up working for Serious Parody and working on the five star wrestling video games and Stuff like that, so it's always been important and influential. and are the games as as much as the TV show of WWE?
1: We'll definitely get back to to five star because the (laughs) fans for these episodes, they know I was speaking about five star. It's just it's it's one of those fascinating things. That it's it's not a not a negative way. I'm just fascinated by it. It's, (laughs) It's, it's, uh...
0: (laughs) It's it's truly interesting, and its effects are broad. Um, when it comes to a lot of how wrestling is now, I think, anyway.
1: Um, So how did you go from thinking, right, I've watched shows, I've watched it in Dundee, uh, to actually training to be a wrestler?
0: So I didn't know about any of Scottish wrestling when I was growing up. Didn't know anything about PBW, SWA, any, any of the Central Belt scenes, didn't know anything about the North scene, I didn't know anything about anything until I went to university in Dundee. So I'm from Mabo, which is just south of bear originally. Um, and I didn't know anything about anything happening at the time until I moved to Dundee. And then suddenly, I, I think through Facebook marketing or something like that, um, I learned about, the, about PWE, uh, about Lionheart's promotion for wrestling elite. And seeing the adverts for uh, Noam Dar versus uh, AJ Styles, and that started like uh, that was the kind of gateway to me kind of hearing about Scottish wrestling of any kind, and um, properly. Uh, so this is twenty twelve, or even uh, about two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, and. Yeah, and so, yeah, I finally move away from here and they're now running wrestling shows there with big TV stars and things like that. And and so that's kind of the next hearing about that stuff. And then the first Scottish show I went to was uh, the Kilburn Brawl, the second of the Robert Florence, Greg Helple, uh produced shows, um, which was amazing. Like, it was the top stars of Scottish wrestling at the time. So Jester and BT Gunn, Wolfgang, Uh, Red Lightning Grado uh, uh, and all those, that that lot, the core group of uh, Central Belt Scottish Wrestling. Um, Yeah, so I went to that show, loved it. I went with my friend Thomas McGill, who wrestled for a time in uh, PVW and a little bit in ICW as Tam Ram. He's my best friend growing up. We both got each other super into wrestling by... We're both into wrestling, and then we both kept each other into wrestling by both being interested in it and talking to each other about it every day at school. And so um, he started training at PBW Academy a year before he told me he was. Um, And so he had his debut on a show for PBW in, I think, December uh, 2013, something like that. And... uh, or 2014, one, one of the years, I haven't got my years uh, uh, laid out in front of me, but him doing it and saying that he loved it, he loved actually doing the training, loved, you, you, and he said to me, you would love it, you would love doing wrestling as well, but you've talked about it and loved it for so long, you'd, you'd be good at it as well. And at the same time, i had been going to Revolution Pro in England, pardon, pardon me, and um, once a year to see their, uh, whenever the Japanese imports came in um, from New Japan. So the first time they did it, it was Shinsuke Nakamura uh, and Prince Devitt. Um, Or, wasn't the first time they did it, the first time they did it was Tarahashi, but the first time I went was to see Nakamura in person. And that show was crazy loaded, like it had both Kevin Steen and Prince Devitt right before they went to NXT, and Adam Cole as well. Um, and so that was crazy and really cool to interact with. The weekend I went down the second time to see Okada, the GPWA school announced their formation. And so I was in London at, in London for a two night show, uh, two nights of wrestling with, with a couple of my friends. And I went, screw it, that, there's the time. Like This is a sign, this is all happening, it's all cool. And I signed up to be one of the first trainees at GPWA, which for me meant at least once a week, and then twice a week when we started training later. The trip on the mega bus from Dundee to Glasgow, Glasgow back, eh, in the same day, and with three hours of training in between. <laughs>
1: quite 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 a sandwich. Uh, so when you go into to GPWA, then you, of course you you see these guys wrestle. Uh, well, at the Calvin Brawl. Uh, so you would have seen, seen B.T. Gunn. Uh, sorry, you would have seen Wolfgang, Jack Jester, what have you. And then you're going into this GPWA school and then these are the guys that are training you. Um, what were your... Did, did you have an, a sports background beforehand? What was your kind of conditioning so, going into training? How did that go?
0: So I actually went into training in the best... pretty much the peak cardio shape of my life because... Um, the last few years of university to keep fit I started doing running uh, and that led to me doing half marathons and so just before I started training with GPWA I'd run my sixth half marathon or something like that and uh, so I was in really good cardio shape, wasn't particularly strong but could run ropes for a long time and do pre- and do setups and all, the, and all these sorts of things, squats, I had strong legs um, and, yeah, that's another thing. The first time I went to an ICW show was the day I ran the Edinburgh Half Marathon. I ran, uh, I was, I went to a hotel the night before so I could be early for the race and not have to travel that morning. And I realised that the starting point of the uh, of the marathon, of the half marathon, was right beside a gig venue that rang a bell in my head. And I realised that it was uh, Studio can't remember what the name of the place was but it was studio something and it was the that was where ICW were running Edinburgh that weekend and so I ran the half marathon and then uh, scalped a ticket off of Facebook (laughs) and went to um, my first ICW show which was headlined by Jester defending the title against Wolfgang and it was so much fun and hugely great atmosphere and that's one of the things that pushed me towards GPWA was oh my god, it's going to be Jester and Wolfgang and BT and Lionheart and uh, Red Lightning all, all teaching us. So, um, yeah, that that definitely uh helped propel me towards the, towards the GPWA.
1: Uh, was was there did you do anything the that? I know it's said don't try at home, but did you do any of the bark Garden wrestling? Did you have a kind of idea of what you want to do, how you want to do it, or did you just go in and so? Just,
0: my, so Myself and Thomas, who um, I mentioned earlier, we both had trampolines, and so that gave us two arenas to have matches in. Um, <laughs> and so we both beat each other up on those trampolines, uh, and Thomas's little brother as well. And so we'd have triple threats and handicap matches and all sorts. And his had the enclosure uh, like system, like the big net around it so obviously that was for cage matches for us, and mine didn't, so um, yeah, so it, let, so it let us let our imagination run wild um, when we were teenagers. Uh, was your style and at that point all, all technical? I, or <laughs> <laughs> um, It was just whatever was cool, which to us in 2005 was X Division TNA stuff and Smackdown, because I don't think we watched all much, but we watched Smackdown and, and uh, yeah, and he had sky, so we would go to his on the Friday night and then wake up watch the SmackDown. You know, Friday night watch the raw SmackDown, watch the SmackDown in the morning, and then rest all day. <laughs> um, for for our long weekends.
1: So so your uh, your tours, tours tours of the of the arenas. Um oh, I mean, so, so you I suppose when you still still when you go in for that first day, you know, mostly it's cardio, all that kind of stuff. Uh, make sure that you're actually prepared for it sort of thing. When you're taking your first bumps, though, was was initial reaction? This isn't the trampoline anymore. Or <laughs> was <you> gonna... absolutely
0: <laughs> absolutely not the trampoline. Um, definitely shut to the system. And but you know they were very kind in how they started us easy on the mats and things like that, and then the crash pad in the ring. And um, I remember VT saying you have to attack the mat, attack the mat, throw your arms out and, and so that helped and uh, yeah and so we were able to get used to it fairly quickly and before you know it we're doing shoulder tackles and sleeps and leaps and all, all, this, all sorts.
1: Um, so what point did you decide that you're not going to be the, the flip guy, you're not going to be the, the, the uh, big bruiser dude, you're going to be the technical guy, you're going to be the uh, catch
0: guy Um, i guess that just started from looking at myself amongst my peers and things like that i'm not particularly huge i'm not particularly strong and um, i can be quick but i don't but i'm not a high flyer um, and then yeah learned that pretty quickly jumping off the top rope is no picnic and uh, i admire and respect all those who do Um. I guess, like, so back when I was wrestling on the trampolines, I loved some mojo and I loved the uh, sleeper and, and all the different ways he got into the sleeper and things like that. And so that kind of started me in that direction. I loved submission holds because they were easy to do. To people. I found them particularly easy to work out and do if it was leg moves, sharpshooters, figure fours, and then... Indian deadlock, things like that, were my like bread and butter as a trampoline wrestler occasionally, you know, because if you just get in those, it's easy, you know, you can win. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I was never a moonsaulter onto people and um, I could do backflips and stuff on the trampoline, but I wouldn't ever, I never was brave enough to do it to people. So I guess I started there. Especially if
1: you walk into your first class, and uh, I can't remember who, who would have been there, but you would have had guys like Brian uh, by time, Big Flex, uh, who is is like the one end of the scale, and then you got guys like Soldato at the other end of the scale. <laughs> You're like, i are gonna find a bit in the middle <laughs> here, just to <laughs> get. Absolutely, no. Exactly. Here. Soldato,
0: Soldato, and I were in that first class, and Flex was six months maybe later, um, but. Yeah, our first class actually wasn't, I didn't have anyone particularly massive, like Wolfgang towered over all of us. Um, but, uh, but but we also, I think it was a lot slower. The GPWA coaches were finding their footing with coaching because we were their first class. I think it went at a slower pace overall than their classes later on did in terms of getting people ready for shows. Because like, it was a year to the week that I debuted on my first show. Um, for actually, actually, and uh, yeah, and I think it's it can be it's been sped up since. Um, I think people like uh, Leighton Buzzard were six months or something like that before they were from when they walked into the door to when they were on shows.
1: A Perfect segue, though, because you mentioned your first match. Um, so before <laughs> before we went on, of course, we, I, I was saying your first match was this, and you're like, no, no, it's it's. Okay, the Germans are wrong again, and uh, they're getting off, <laughs> they're getting to the habit of this. Um, assuming before your six-man tag uh, Futurama, there was probably a gala day. I'm guessing some sort of battle royal beforehand was
0: there, or no, no, no? there really wasn't. Um, GPW hadn't started, hadn't become wrestle Scotland or anything like that. They didn't have that touring brand. They weren't doing shows; they were just training. And so uh, we actually moved to the so the asylum as it's known now, that's on the WWE network. That was the second room, the second asylum. It was in the same building, but it was a different location inside the building. The first one was a very small place that just had enough space for a ring and mats around it and a little office and a toilet and nothing else. And so that's where we learned all of our basics. They actually, because they saw that the school was getting popular and they could, when they wanted to take it in more students, they moved to where it is now, where they can have lots and lots of students at once. like training or in the pre-COVID days anyway and so I think ICW saw that this would be a good place to film footage and so they lit it up and did a show the night before the SECC and the fear and loathing at the SECC that had that was headlined by Gradle versus Drew uh, Drew Galloway and they had a show that they labeled ICW Futurama Welcome to the World of Tomorrow or something like that and it was an excuse to get GPWA students on it for the first time, basically have their first matches, and uh, it gave, I think the idea was to, and it's on, I think it's still on SW in demand, but uh, the idea was to get their lower card guys matches uh, against GPWA students, a bit like how AEW Dark is done uh, these days. Uh, And so my first match was a three on two handicap tag with three of us and two of them, Three of us being myself, Austin Osiris and Stevie James versus the geezers from, I think, the Progress Training School uh, who had gotten themselves super over with their funny videos uh, at the time.
1: So it must be a bit bit daunting going into your first match, man. Usually you go in against a trainer or you go against someone or or someone that you trade with. Uh, for that familiarity, but you're going in with two guys that you probably wouldn't have met until that day, uh, mm-hmm. and it's very much a different style to to most things in Scotland anyway, because they're the comedy act. Uh, they do mm-hmm. they do uh, all that sort of thing, and uh, even though there was, there, they are capable, yeah. yeah, it's comedy. So how, how did you go? Where did you know you were getting that match, and uh, how did you go about?
0: preparing I actually can't remember. I can't remember when I was told about the match. Maybe it was it was very like, it wasn't short notice, like they told us to get our gear made and stuff. Um, And I got a black singlet that I don't wear anymore. But the. uh, Yeah, I can't remember. It it was all up in the air, I remember, because they were were organising the hydro uh, SECC show at the same time. So I didn't know what the communication was and stuff like that. Um, But uh, that it was a very, very, very busy wrestling weekend for me because that morning Nigel McGuinness did a seminar at UPWA, which was incredible. He was a hero of mine, great technical wrestler. Taught me a couple of things that I still do to this day that day. Uh, he was there, did a seminar. We went away, he went away, we set up the place for the show. And then he came back and sat backstage and watched our first matches and gave us all feedback. And um, I think Spud was also there backstage randomly because he was up for the weekend to see the, the big ICW show. So we got this, we're having our first match. It's tag matches, which we hadn't, like I hadn't particularly thought I was going to go down as a route. And it's comedy, there's comedy segments, you're working someone you've never met before. Um it yeah, it was in at the deep end and it's being recorded and put on ICW on demand. Uh, so it was very much in at the deep end and huge amount of trust from the trainers and to to believe in us, to put us in that situation. Uh, and I think we had a we had an okay match. Like it wasn't terrible, we didn't embarrass ourselves. Um and, and yeah, it was a fun experience. And then we got feedback from Nigel McGuinness, which was blew my mind.
1: Yeah, it's def- definitely a, a a low pressure situation. Uh, <laughs> you can say uh, going going in. Yeah, not only having your first match, uh, it is something totally out, out deep out of the blue, out of the deep end. Uh, but yeah, and having a hero watching and, and, and our an Irish legend and Spud uh, watching backstage, just 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 a, uh, hi, uh, chills. No pressure. <laughs> um, and then from that point. I don't, I said, I don't know when Cage Match catches up in or, or correct, but um, you were in the PWE Elite Rumble. Was that next or was there still a? couple It was, more? Certain,
0: it was certainly one of the next things. I was in. There was a that So after about six months after this show, ICW, I guess, forgot to keep running these shows or something, or get pushed back, and so GPW started Night at the Asylum as a brand, where they do the Friday night shows um, every two or three months. To give their trainees show experience, and I wasn't—I don't think I was on the first one—and um, I was in a battle royal, and so I think it was the battle royal on one, of, on one of the first ones that I'm in for 20 seconds before I get chucked out by Ramsey Davy. and then I have a match. My first match match singles match is with BT Gun, on I think Night of the Asylum Four or something like that, and. Um, And I think before then I was in the PWE Rumble and that was actually two matches that night because they did a pre-show Rumble with all the trainees to see which trainee got to go in. And I won that, Um, which meant that I was like number one or number two and Mark Coffey like battered me and threw me out (laughs) quite quickly in the uh, Elite Rumble. (laughs)
1: Um, so, what was that like getting into? So, PWA, of course, is Rambler Line Art. Um, so, and of course, he was one of the coaches at GPWA. Did he kind of handpick who was going into this first dark rumble and how how, how was your relationship yeah, yeah, with no, the, you was, tag was very. As well? Yeah, so uh, I think maybe it was the air
0: connection. so took a shine to me there. I, I had gone down and helped at a few of his shows um, around this time, over the last year while we were training and stuff like that. And I think he always appreciated that I took a trip from Dundee all the way back to Ayr, um, which was good for me because I could see my folks and stay at their house when I um, when it was down anyway. But I think he appreciated my drive to come help. And so I would come help and do that. I think that was my reward for the long journeys uh was in the first battle royal I was placed in. Uh he yeah, he chose me as the winner and, and laid out the scenario and then laid out the scenario for me in the actual rumble, which was that Mark Coffey was feigning an injury and I was trying to like make fun of him and take advantage and then he immediately kills me and throws me out. <laughs> um, and so a small spot but something fun and uh, fun to do as a,
1: as a rookie. Um, so, yeah, so you also also tag match teaming with liner as well. So uh, what was it like getting in the ring with, with one of your traders um, as a tag team partner? Of course, you had yeah, BT gun in your singles, uh, your first singles yeah. match. But uh, what was it like getting in the ring with these? No, that, makes, that guys? makes
0: it oh, incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. And um, So, yes, it went Lionheart as as a tag match and then my first singles match. Um, And that tag match was so much fun. It's also, I believe, on ICW On Demand. I think they filmed it for that because it has commentary from Chris Redford and Billy Kirkwood on it, which was cool. But, uh, yeah, the, the match was really fun. And Lionheart was something else as a performer, like just a class i would had an experience because they train us, but they don't work like they're working around us uh, at training. So when you see, when Liveheart, as your tag team partner on a show, is completely different from Adrian and is completely different from Adrian training you, he's in the zone and he's in the mode. And uh, he <laughs> in the match, he was constantly Gavin constantly shouting at the crowd because uh, we were heels, so he was shouting at the crowd, shouting at me, shouting at the opponent, shouting at the ref, like constantly. I couldn't under, I couldn't understand how he had the time to think about things to say. Because that's something I've always struggled with when I'm in the ring is that I don't really vocalise a lot. I just wrestle. <laughs> and so I, I couldn't understand how he had the time to think of witty things to say as he was doing it. And you realise that this is experience. This is he knows how to fill in all the silent gaps, whereas I am still relying on using and knocking folk down and, and, and relying on the spots rather than relying on working, which is what he was a master of. And, and so it was hugely eye-opening to do that sort of thing. And then on the other side, wrestling at the coach, wrestling against the coach was incredible as well because it was felt so much more real than training did if you know what I mean. It's hard to understand but it was very, very, very full on. It wasn't kid gloves. It, we had a match where he tore my chest up with chops and things like that so it was a very different experience but one of my all-time favourite moments in the ring with both men.
1: Uh, just kind of to close off 2016 uh, in general you then had matches uh, single matches with Wolfgang and then uh, Andy Wild so you're really you've you've been thrown into your first your debut match against two guys you've never met or or had experience with to then going through the whole year facing these big names not just in character or in reputation but actual big dudes as well Uh, so yeah so it was just for your first year was just everything you dreamed of and more to start off with as being a wrestler absolutely
0: absolutely not. now that I look at it maybe I've not had a better year since but the but the yeah the wealth of experiences from working different styles of guys and them all being pros I also worked some trainees during that time as well on different shows but the pros were so awe-inspiring at the time and things like that still to me even though I'd been doing training for two two or three years at that point. Um, Wolfgang was amazing because he was the champion. He was the ICW world champion at the time. So that was like the biggest deal. Um, and we had a really fun match. Um, and yeah, uh, and the same with Andy, who I've worked with. Uh, none of them have worked again apart from Andy. I've worked again a couple of years later. Um, and that was awesome experience both times as well. A really, really, really amazing wrestling.
1: Um, so it's 2017 and we'll, we'll, try, we'll try and do your, your years in wrestling and then we'll, we'll go to like five-star and, and everything else kind of thing. It's uh, so how I'll kind of try and operate the last few podcasts and it work, it's worked. So maybe, maybe or I'm now 75 episodes recorded and I finally worked out a format for this podcast. Uh, so we're into 2017. It's the first uh, Asylum Invitational. Um, mm. we're, we're, how, how did you find out you are a part of that? course it was I think it was half the guys were uh, GPWA uh, a quarter was PBW and a quarter was Source um, so you were one GPWA guys how did you find out about that tournament and uh, being entered into
0: it I'm trying to remember it must have been Red Lightning would have told me because he was the one in charge of all that Um honestly can't remember I, I, maybe it was the graphic one or I, I think I'd been told before the graphics went up Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it was very humbling to be chosen and felt really good. Um, very happy. Very happy about that.
1: Uh, of course, you yeah, ended up getting to the quarterfinals, uh, losing out to Davy Davy, mm. who pops up again. Uh, but then 2018 rolled round, and you just went on and won the whole thing. Uh, the June Galloway <laughs> Invitational at the time.
0: Yeah, so that was amazing that was the best like most fun probably weekend i've had in terms of working shows um yeah it, it was crazy like it'd been a tough half start to that year for me in terms of the five star and other things that, that we'll probably get to so that was a awesome uh, awesome weekend it felt like huge support from the rest of the community and both fans and Backstage, and yeah, I got to work uh, the main event of the first night with Craig Anthony, who's doing great things uh, now with ICW. And I was lucky to have his like his second and his fourth ever matches, which I think was the the second match. Um, The first was on the show that was behind closed doors for uh, for the. Heads of got kind of heads of the Central Belt Scottish see We then had this rematch in front of people. Um and that allowed us, yeah, and we were given the main event slot of that first night, allowed us to have structure a really fun match. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed that. And then we moved on to night two with I think three matches in one night. Yeah, which was uh, pretty crazy. Um, I think it was Grant McIver first. Uh, I've not got it in front of me. Um, uh, I, remember was, I remember the final.
1: I know the final was you and Damien.
0: Yes. So Grant McIver and then Princess Sad uh, at PWW training. Um, I think we had, we had a quick match. Grant Grant and I had a long match. Princess Sad and I had a quick match, and then I was in the finals with Damien. And so on the first night, I kind of worked winner but uh, over the course of the second night I became a more, more of a cheered babyface which went in contrast with Damien who was being the greatest like um, not foreign heel but outf- outsider heel being the I think the lone wrestle zone person in the, in the tournament and could play spoiler and take over um, and so it gave me a really good kind of home home ground crowd support that night, and we had a really, really great match and Damien was, is one of the best people I've ever been
1: there anyway, really, really good. I, I, just, I just realised how you went through the list of opponents uh, you had that night, uh, that is absolutely genius way of getting you to be cheered the whole night, and you're going in against the Source guy, you pass him, you go against the PBW guy, you beat him, then you go against the the wild Wildcard, the, uh, the, the possible spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever is in charge of that is a, is a very clever person. <laughs> for, I think,
0: for... I think uh, another Rudo Productions, I believe. Um, if you ever get the chance to speak to it about it, um, yes. Uh, no, it was and it was incredible. Like, yeah, it was an incredible atmosphere. It was a small crowd, but it was a very a, a, a full of atmosphere, chants and things like that. And so, I uh, loved it. Absolutely loved. It.
1: And then, of course, you went on to do that. You went to do Hotter in Hell. Uh, you were in the quarterfinal against Liam Thompson again. It is really... With, with, I don't know if you've looked back at, at your, on your opponents. It seems to be just a who's who in Scottish wrestling. Uh, I've, from, I've been very
0: lucky. I've yeah. absolutely been very lucky with the quality of talent that I've gotten to work with. I've never really ever been in there with anyone that's particularly untalented or anything like that. I've, al- I've
1: always been in good matches with good people. Um, just to go back to that final of, of the Drew Galloway uh, Invitational, because David put a comment, he didn't put a question in, but it'll lead me to a question. It's uh, just put, It uh, it makes you realise how flexible your joints actually are <laughs> in between the screaming and agony. Um, how do you know, your, how, where, where do you know the, the limits? Because you obviously do the bone cracking stuff, so you're able to, to twist and turn people. How do you know the limits of how far you can push someone without breaking something?
0: I've never really thought about it. I've just gone to at what point I think is good for the match. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's or good both for the match and both in character and both for the stuff. I guess I've always been doing these submission holds so I got it out my system quite count to not do it. Um, <laughs> When I was, you know, when we we're hurting each other, so, yeah, um, I've never, and uh, never like, well, you know, a bit like Bret Hart, I get to say that I've never really hurt anyone while doing a, a style that hopefully looks sore.
1: Um, uh, so we'll just we'll, we'll just get into it five star because we've, we've teased it enough. Uh, we're, we're just gonna dive in. So you said you worked for you end up, uh, working with Serious Parody of just did the five star games, um. So what was your uh, role in creating of the first five-star game on the PS3? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so I got to um, prototype the kind of the system that eventually evolved into how grappling moves worked. Uh, I programmed some of the control scheme stuff um, and then was basically put in charge of the animation import system and how animations like, because I was one of the few people on the team that really understood wrestling, I was then kind of given the go-ahead by the Boston Hinkles to control the way the animations and moves looked uh, in terms of I would work with the animation team to show them what was good, what was bad, what, you know, give them good references in terms of finding good references online And then talking to them through the moves to where this is supposed to hurt, why this is supposed to hurt, why you do it this way, why it's on the left, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually that becomes me. And then while I was doing this is when I started actually training. And they would give me, um, because I was training on, uh, when UPW started, it was just Sundays only. And then eventually evolved into Sundays and either Tuesday or Thursday. And then uh, because work wanted me to get better at understanding wrestling, so I could relay it to the team to make a better game, they would let me off early on Thursdays to go to Glasgow to train. And so eventually that became, once I knew how the news worked and how to take bumps and all these things, eventually that led me to kind of doing some film reference stuff for, um, for animation. So that they would just do a video of me doing whatever they needed to put in the game. Um, And we didn't do a full setup of this. It wasn't motion capture and it wasn't, I didn't have crash mats and suits and all these things, but it was just quick, uh, like camera phone videos to work out how things should work. Um, And yeah, so wrestling helped me on that side and the games helped me with wrestling and it all kind of meshed together. For a while there, I wasn't sure I even wanted to work on shows. It was that I just wanted to learn how wrestling worked. Um, And so I didn't know if I wanted to be on shows that first year of training and things like that, or I didn't expect to be on shows. It was only when they came to, when my coaches said, okay, you should have gear because we want to use you, was when I kind of went, oh, okay, so I'm good at this, I guess, or I'm good enough. And I should probably come up with a gimmick or something like that. And it's that point where eventually I started doing holds in in my training matches at GPWA. And I think that's when they said to me, why don't you just go down this road of doing holds? Um, and so that kind of mixed up, mixes, mixes all together. And then, uh, yeah. And so for the game, I think we had the best looking submission moves because I knew how to do the, the, uh, the holds and the moves. And unfortunately, because of the way it went with Five Star when we were shut down, um, we had worked on for a year, we'd released the PS3 game. We released an updated port for the PS4 and we then spent two years working very hard on making the uh, sequel game or uh, making a mixture. We didn't know if it was going to be a sequel game or a very big DLC expansion to the PS4 game that had tons of content, tons of wrestlers and moves, which was what the game lacked when it was released because it had like eight or nine wrestlers in it or something like that. And we had gotten up to 32 wrestlers with all unique different styles and moves, and no one has ever seen many of that content because everything gets shut down,
1: unfortunately. Who is in charge? Well, oh, you don't have to name them, but were you in charge of, of the names of the wrestlers?
0: No, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> which is why we end up with Raging Andy Oregon and
1: Blackland Rock. and Rock.
0: I don't actually mind Ragnarok. I, okay, yeah. I might, I might, have said Ragnarok. That might have been me, but uh, I'll take I'll take credit for that. Um, but Maybe not Mike Iceberg. Others, Mike Iceberg was no, I don't think that was me. <laughs> um, and I certainly didn't do the incredible entrance themes that were designed for those uh, wrestlers. Um, the famous uh, Kurt. I've forgotten what the Kurt Angle was called in Five Star, but the America... Curtis Angel, uh, is it, or
1: something
0: like that? Curtis Angel. And he had a very Kurt Angle-inspired theme, and Raging Andy Organ had a famous... It's basically just, you look at the lyrics to Voices that's The Orton's song, and just change the lyrics to a cinnamon... cinnamon, cinnamon. <laughs> And you regurgitate it, and that's what that song is. It's basically the same lyrics... Um, but just different words <laughs> it's very funny uh,
1: so uh, yeah so we'll go from that to, to uh, Don Ingalls goes uh, the, he wants to put a, rest, a wrestling show uh, a wrestling do, show Do my old Ted Turner voice there uh, we <laughs> end up with, with uh, Dominant Wrestling never a good start because that name was awful but uh, <laughs> in Dundee it's going to be on live TV uh, all these Scottish names, all these international names. A gear on the show, on the pre-show. Uh, I is think is it against Jack Jester or a tag team match. Sure,
0: it is a tag team match with Jack Jester against uh, Kid Fight and Looking Trap. So we're kind of doing a, I guess for our like we were trying to get over maybe that it was GPW versus PPW, like it was two different training schools of the of of the region. But, um, yeah, yeah, we were. The, the first dark match, of which I think there were three dark matches that night, um, which was kind of crazy because that place was fairly packed. it actually had, I think, 2,000 people there. And so that's easily the biggest crowd I've worked in front of. Um, and yeah, it was eye-opening and chaotic, fun. You know, I didn't feel huge pressure to make sure the place succeeded because I kept the what I thought was relative safety of also working for the game side of it and um, and so I mean the other members of the games team absolutely hated the fact that we we're running shows and not using them correctly to advertise the game or anything like that that was a big deal I wasn't I, I wasn't in control couldn't change any of these things and um, I could. Yeah, did, did they advertise uh, Rey Mysterio was going to be in the game? So we signed something with Rey Mysterio to have him as a DLC character for the PS4 version of the game. And on our side, we, I guess I can say this now, we made a Rey Mysterio and made all of his moves and got them all working and had a playable Rey Mysterio in our version of the game and then never released, never got to release it and um, unfortunately and um, but the yeah so i got to meet rave stereo that night uh since he wrestled a few matches in that tournament that one night tournament thing and um, and yeah it was very bizarre in lots and lots of ways i
1: bet because i'm just trying to remember who else and there was probably there was carlito uh, uh john chris morrison masters. chris john masters, masters. Yeah. Um, there is a PJ Black uh, who died. I just I don't get don't get I don't get deer wolf. I Just I don't <laughs> find him entertaining particularly. But uh, sure. but uh, but that's just that's just a, that's just a whole thing. When he came on the screen on dominant wrestling, I, I reviewed it because it was Dundee. Which I mean, suppose for you at that point would be kind of your hometown. Would you say yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I definitely
0: like have built myself as from Dundee <laughs> because that's where I live. Um. And so, yeah, it was great. You know, two-minute journey home. <laughs> um, and uh,
1: did, did, you get the, did you get the writers from, from uh, the Ardler? No. <laughs> I, I remember know, there has been a big, was, big stink about that.
0: Yes. And so, uh, this is SWE country. I remember they were taking down our posters, putting up their posters. We were taking down their posters and putting ours back up. Like, it was... And, and I do remember them postering our... They, at least they put... A big sticker saying this is SWE country on the door of the games office of people that had no idea what any of this stuff was about. Like they had no clue about the tough war for Dundee. Yeah, so that was very funny at the time. Oh, I remember putting out the, the,
1: the article about it. It just had like a hundred, I came back and there was a hundred comments back and forth of folk arguing. I was like, come on, guys, it's just chill. <laughs>
0: No need. They always—it's—it's um, it's always, always ends up in a bonfire, no matter what. They—I um, think I've only ever been to one, SW show, which was well before I was a wrestler. And um, I think I had a show that, oh, it was when um, they had Bret Hart over for a signing, and uh, right. and so I w- I met Bret Hart that day, waiting in hours and hours in the queue to meet him, which was awesome. And then uh, went to the show that night. He was a guest at, and I think the main event, or not the main event, but the best match on the show was a triple threat ladder match between Sammy, Jane, uh, Debbie, Sharp, and Viper. Um, and I distinctly remember them um, being stars compared to everyone else.
1: I remember that. I was. Uh, I, we can't go into what the prize was because. Currently, yeah, oh my God, it, was, yeah. A, it was a it was a whole thing. We'll just we'll just ignore that. i hope hoping, I'm hopefully, fingers crossed, can get either Debbie or Sammy in the future, and we can avoid that question like the plague. But we we'll, might, we might not. And <laughs> um, probably be all of the questions that I'll ask, but I'll have to cut out for once. But uh, yeah, we'll move on. Uh, so when they, when they actually did the tour, though, um, were you invited to be part of that? Were you on the Dark Matches were... for that?
0: No, no, but um, too busy working on the game still. But the, I think the idea was to do Dundee again, like a few weeks after what happened, what with the shutdown, and I'm pretty sure I would have been on either a dark match or on the show um, for uh, that version when they went back to Dundee, because I think they've been using people from local areas at each one. Um, and yeah, so I think I was penciled in for that, but there was the big shutdown, and um, where all of a sudden they're no longer running, and then the game studio has been shut down as well, which was cruel.
1: Uh, so so you're what you're part of the 128 man tournament that was. You're kind of no
0: idea about <laughs> that. but uh, right. I remember. Between between them and what culture for tournaments was crazy. Like, independent wrestling was weird then, but at least there was independent wrestling. Like everything's a bit more under the WWE hat now, or not. So it's very a very different way of of, uh, of it existing now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was a weird period where there's just names flying in all over the place. There. In Rev Pro or in ICW, there was
0: There was money in British wrestling. Like, it was progress in ICW and and then, yeah, what culture and all that stuff. And, yeah, suddenly, like, Pentagon Jr. is wrestling in Dumbarton or something like that. So it's, like, (laughs) it was crazy. Um, And, yeah, and I think Five Star getting on TV in the UK and the World Sport, I think that very much pushed WWE to get NXT UK set up. So I think it did have consequences. Um, so, yeah, and it was it's interesting to kind of, I guess, be a part of that. But it's I, I think it's the absolute conclusion of what WWE did because they saw, oh, people are starting to make money in this. Best get on it. I
1: honestly believe if they were better prepared, I think Impact could have taken the UK quite easily because they always had humongous tours when they came over. But that's, mm-hmm. that's a story for another day. Um, so last thing before we, we, we just make this a five-star wrestling podcast, um, as it always threatens to be. Um, when you're backstage at that Dominant Wrestling Show, you say you met Re Mysterio. Was there anyone that you met you were surprised about either how nice they were? Not so nice they were. Uh, was there any, any Oh, you're, want,
0: like, you're wanting you're some just uh, like juicy gossip now, right? I tried um, to keep it as
1: positive as possible, but when you have a roster that big in backstage, there's got to be some some uh, unsavory folk. <laughs>
0: um, Mysterio was cool. Remsfield was really cool. Um, film was cool. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time because. The chaos of that night was not just that I was wrestling on the show without, like, a build or anything like that. Um, I knew that we were going to, but it was only for, like, the last two weeks before it where we were getting all wishy-washy answers on what the match is and who's wrestling. Uh, The day of the show, Charles Bonington is there because Dan promised him a booking or something like that. And so he becomes our manager randomly for that one match. Um, So that was something new and different. But after my match, I immediately go back, get showered, get changed. And before the next dark dark match has started, I'm helping run stuff backstage. And it's not, not running about or anything like that. I get put in the, myself and my partner get put in the box seats that are looking over the arena. We are then charged with running the social media accounts that night. And so my partner has really good experience with that sort of stuff. They do really well at it. And I'm just helping feed them stuff. Like I'm watching the show on TV as it's going out while it's happening over my shoulder behind me. And so I'm watching the show, watching, watching all the, when they're replaying and stuff like that, talking, and I'm basically feeding my partner, okay, say something about this. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Say something about this. Tweet, tweet, tweet. And they're telling me, asking me for responses on things, on or, or how what how we should take what's the tone of the social media should be, all this sorts of stuff. I think we do that quite well that night. I don't know if it's even you can even look up that stuff more on Twitter. I don't know if it's has to the ether because of the five star accounts or whatever. But we did pretty well social media wise that night in terms of cultivating some chat about the show on. Was it Spike or something like that that was on? Or Five five Star? Like Five Star of the channel, not Five Star of the, the wrestling. And so we do pretty well at that, Then in particular. We then are never, like never talked to again about cultivating the social media of Five Star's Twitter or anything like that. But that's how I watched the rest of the show, was backstage in a box watching the TV version of it so that we could do live tweeting with the people that were funding the money for Five Star Wrestling. So English guys, um, I know some of the names and I don't know if I should say them or anything like that, but we we're with these crazy rich people watching their experiment show that they're they're funding for some reason. So the main money guys there and his pals who were up to see this event, and yeah, it was the weirdest thing. It was very, very bizarre. And but we thought that first show was okay. It had a horrible name, but we thought. And I guess it was rush booking. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting night.
1: Yeah, dominant wrestling. Just as soon as I saw it, I thought. Oh no, that's that's not a good start because that just sounds like it's a fetish thing. So that kind of <laughs> that that if, if you if you go through, I'm I'm assuming a child, a, a mother going through the list. Throw always a mother, but uh, going through a list of things and see dominant wrestling. They go maybe not. <laughs> anyway, right, okay. So we'll move on for five star because, like I say, I could speak about it all day uh, because I'm just so fascinated by it. Um, Twenty nineteen. I've got noted you had three matches, all of which were in WrestleZone. Uh, so you you came up came up my end of the, the way, which is about 40, 40 minutes from Dundee. Um and you make a debut against uh, Alan Sterling, I think it was.
0: So that's actually not true. The cage match people have failed you again. Cage and match uh, are useless. Cage match. <laughs> um I should send them my like, Excel document of all the matches I actually had. Um so the next match was actually at Halloween the, right. um slightly before the Ellen Sterling match, or the Halloween before, I wrestled Damien in a rematch of our... Of course she um, did, because I remember being excited about it because it was a rematch. Right, okay, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and so my first experience was uh, first half main against the champion in a non-title match, um, and so... That was awesome working a different style. Like I think I was, I still worked tweener, tweener-ish that match. I wasn't an out-and-out hero or anything like that. But it was really cool seeing Davian in his environment where he's a very, still very, very aggressive. But at that point, now a hero rather than an outsider villain, and so that was very interesting, and cool. And I think the first one of those that I've experienced where we've, we've. we've I've
1: had a rematch and the dynamics been changed in the interim in the time. Um, and of course this all led to you being in the pre-show for Um So your first one of course well only one so far it was 2019 it uh, was at the, the Beach Leisure Centre uh, one of the coldest venues I've ever been in. Um, and it was, to be, it was supposed to be a triple threat it was yourself uh, Caleb Valhalla Katie Garrick and then uh, Kyger was Added on the night, mm-hmm. um, so it was like because that that's at that point, especially for for uh, Bristol, that would have been the biggest crowd of the year. Um, so it's a very loud venue. What um, was like going in with with the, not only the pressure of going into that match and it changing last minute, as far as I'm aware, um, but also having pack nearby because he was watching in the crowd. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so, I'm just looking over my thing, and it's got um, myself versus Damien, then myself versus Alan Sterling uh, at Summerhill Showdown, um, which was a really fun comedy event, a really fun match with Alan Sterling's incredible brand of comedic wrestling. Um, that I think, I don't know if it was yourself that pointed me towards mixed Marshall allen and things like that quite possible. And, uh, myself or adam because
1: mixed Marshall allen is the yeah. greatest thing ever
0: <laughs> so funny so funny absolutely great and so i had a really fun experience wrestling him and unfortunately it was because of caleb valhalla that i lost that match i had allen all tied up in a small package and the ref's back was turned and caleb flipped him over and my small package was so good it pinned myself that's how good it was unfortunately. But uh, then I wrestled Crusher Craig at uh, West Hill um, just before uh, aberdeen and um, and had a fun match with him, like big guy, which is always a different experience for me to work. I had to chop the big guy down and unfortunately I wasn't able to and took a huge big boot that night. Uh, and then we've got uh, yes, as you say, Caden Garrett, Caleb Valhalla and um, which was, I think, yeah, my first fatal four-way match. Um, chaos, absolute chaos, to to kind of work out the kinks. Uh, but so much fun. Unfortunately, I think this was a, I think this was a pre-show match, so I don't know if the crowd was as big as. I don't think everyone had been let in yet, or I think there were. It was between this match and the next was the meet and greet with Pac, or just before. But yes, I remember seeing him in the back row while I was in the ring, and um, which was cool. And he gave all of us some very good feedback um, after the match, which was very kind of him to do. And um, but yeah, pressure when you suddenly see it and you go, "Oh, he's not in the locker room. He's watching."
1: No, <laughs> so I remember. I remember going there because I uh, I'd, I'd i d I'd I I only went for the, the whole show, I didn't go for the pre-show, uh, but I somehow used my uh, journalistic charm and uh, got in the pre-show to see this match. Uh pretty much I went to went, come on. Me in. I'll, write, I'll write something about it, it'll be fine. Uh went in I didn't sit front row because I thought that would that that's a dick move to do. If I haven't paid for it, I'm not getting front row. So I hung back and as soon as I saw the match starting, um who I was with, Mark, he, he, he tapped me and he went, look over there. And we looked just to the left and there was Pac just staring at the ring. We are like, oh, no, <laughs> this is, don't need that pressure. <laughs> but uh, but Pac's one of those guys where he, he, he has literally got everything. He's the power guy. He's high flyer. He can, he can throw in a submission hold and he can talk. He, I don't know how Pac's not in the conversation for Greatest Wrestler, but when
0: you go, look oh, at him. He, it's got everything. Like I'm glad he's doing so well in AEW and is actually kind of held in esteem in AEW. Like he was an absolute monster in that triple threat world title match that just happened. Um, he's absolutely incredible. Never seen anyone in such amazing shape. that strength wise, looks wise, muscles wise, and can do all those flips and the red arrow and his match with uh, Zach Zach it was real good, real scary, but uh, a real fun watch later that night.
1: Yeah, I spoke to Zach about it. He's got his upcoming episode uh, episodes going out and who he was he was talking about how he spiked Puck. Um, yeah.
0: And um, so I was sitting beside Lionheart watching from the merch tables and you know Lionheart Neck injury, all this stuff. Like, he's he's shot up and was ready to almost go to the ring and stop the match. And then so I'm beside him, going, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And then what pro? Like he rolls out the ring, gathers himself. Like I don't know what Zach said to you about it, but from my point of view, it was like that is a professional wrestler because he knows how long he needs to kind of recover from this, and he knows that he can keep going. And absolutely. Incredible! Incredible! Yeah, very, very good match. For for
1: what a member of the conversation, it was panic pretty much. It was oh my god, okay. <laughs> I might, I might, I might have just injured the import, the big name that's coming to the show. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, I always we spoke a little bit about about Lionheart at the start. You said there's three different kinds of Lionheart. There there's Adrian, there's trainer Adrian, Adrian, and of course uh, Lionheart. Uh, of, from speaking to other people, Lionheart is—he he, was—he uh, was—or or, is—to to, many—he was a enigma. Uh, uh, how did you how did you find cracking uh, Adrian or Lionheart? Uh Because he, he was often—he he, was—he was a superstar. That's what it was.
0: Absolutely. When like I didn't say it earlier, but in that tag match, it felt like I was teaming with The Rock. Like he was so charismatic. Like I had—I I'm, I'm, don't. Consider myself a particularly charismatic wrestler, I might like overall rate myself at like two on charisma. Like, that's not my strength anyway. He was like 17 out of, <laughs> out of 10 that night, it felt to me. Any time I've been in the ring with him since, or, or, or been, in the, been in the ring with him since on shows, and especially in training, it like, felt that way. Absolute star. Carry himself like a star at all times, until he let you in, until we let you be you know in with the jokes and things like that, and incredibly nice person. Once you got past the, alright player, like the 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 front, and um yeah, just um incredible incredible human to me anyway.
1: Yeah, I've I've said in our podcast, but I was like, when I was I was I wanted to speak to Lionheart that night uh at but he's one of those guys, much like like a pack. Where I was, I was walking up to speak to him, and then suddenly just went. I can't speak to a line I'm just. I was like, I was he speechless. He's just...
0: definitely <laughs> like him and Pat were probably the most intimidating people in the arena <laughs> that night. Like <laughs> definitely. In terms of, like yeah, absolutely. So it's yes, he had star quality when no one else in Scotland had that level of star quality, and it is heartbreaking to see the, the way life but, um,
1: and I miss them very much. Yeah, got to Remember the good stuff and, and by, by all accounts there's plenty of it to to, uh, to think about. Um, right, let's dive into some of these fun questions then because we've, we've got mm. a few. Uh, one that Willie in our question is from James Phillip on Facebook, which possibly my favourite question that's been asked. Uh, he's just put, where does he keep his bones, once they've been collected.
0: No, uh, they uh, and <laughs> um, the wall. No, uh, no. Um, I uh, my Instagram, I guess, is where they where they collected. Where I put a stamp over their face, saying collected. Um, everywhere, but... anytime I'm in the ring, they're all under the ring.
1: Was, was there an inspiration behind the Bone Collector name? Because uh, I know you're big into your, your Japanese wrestling. Uh, it's and It's an area I don't know a lot about. So was there, a, was there an inspiration behind that particular?
0: The name? actual particular name, the Bone Collector, comes from... It was the Uf- UFC 3 on the PS3. Had a really, really, really good create a fighter mode. And I created a fighter that was like basically Zangief. He was like a, a big Russian guy. And I remember going through a list of names that they'd recorded so that the commentary could talk about them. The names and things for you, the big inter- introduction by Bruce Buffer and the big UFC presentation. And I remember seeing football collector as one of those names. And so when I started really thinking I needed something, I needed a spark, or I needed just something that wasn't just Irving Garrett, a wrestler, Um, I thought about that and I asked Simon Cassidy what he thought about it because he was the one announcing, would it sound stupid, how how would it go with his cadence and so I asked him and he said, no, yeah, sounds good, sounds good, be interesting and I think against uh, Leighton Buzzard, I think I've got it, so I've got all my matches, I've got my list of matches here in front of me in it, Uh, GPWA £5 wrestling number 5 at the start of 2018. Um I got called that for the first time and then had the great Joe um, Galloway Invitational run shortly after that. And I think that cemented it as the attachment to my name.
1: It was definitely better than the, the one that I saw going around the first, which was just Holds.
0: Holds, so Holds,
1: holds is, it just It just doesn't roll off the tongue.
0: It doesn't roll off the tongue and it's very much an in thing where at training the shorthand if someone is calling for me, is that they, I get called "holds" by all the other tradies at GPWA, and you know, whenever they're talking to me, they'll say "holds," blah 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 blah. And I think that started because both guys started it and used the word that just called me "holds," and that that stuck as my nickname. And occasionally, it's become a chant when the crowd are properly behind me, like the Drew Galloway. I think it. It was chanted that night against Damien, I think. Um, but yeah, that I think like, it came from one of the fun exercises we did um, with Wolfgang. Was how many submission moves could you do in like two minutes or something like that? And it would just go boom, 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 crossface, structure, blah, 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 blah. And I think I was—I know I was by far the best person other than Wolfgang at doing at doing that challenge. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, that became my name and that became the style and then the bone collector is the outward version of that, which I think, yes, as you say, is a bit better. <laughs> um, for,
1: for your gear though, so you mentioned, we mentioned holds, of course, your, your gear uh, is, a, is a big octopus, mm-hmm. um, of course, lots of arms can do lots of holds. Uh was that a particular reason why you chose the octopus what was the what was the story behind the octopus
0: group? yeah no it was it was absolutely that absolutely that kind of connotation of very grabby very like will tie you up um and the octopus stretch being a really fun move that I love doing um the octopus bind is what I called my like first finish, which was like a Russian leg sweep into an octopus on the floor and um, that's kind of what I called my first um version of that as as my finishing move so uh yeah that was just kind of the inspiration behind that at the same time chris brooks and who's english wrestler and now in japan and uh, for ddt has a much cooler octopus all over his gear and then jonathan gresham now also has octopuses all over his gear and is called the octopus as his nickname uh, as ring of honor pure champion so I might have to get something different next time. <laughs> next uh, time.
1: He's got the mask, the, the oh, the very the cool, mask. yeah, the
0: bone, the octopus bone mask. Yeah, it's it's really badass.
1: You're <laughs> um, kind of hoping for a day kind of like stops using it, so you can go around and to buy replica. I've
0: ac- have <laughs> actually challenged him on Twitter, and he liked it and talked to me a little bit on Twitter about it about coming to Scotland and having a match. So and um, that was a couple of years ago on Twitter. And um, but uh, yeah, I think I. Uh, I think he posted a photo of, it of a recent octopus stretch and I said like snap and showed him one of mine and just got into a little bit of chat about there about asking him to come over and do a seminar and I'll wrestle him. So, and he sounded agreeable to it, but I don't think uh, the office of GPWA got a hold of that one. So. <laughs> I think, I
1: think you'd have to join the queue, because I, I spoke to Robbie, uh, Robbie Wishart recently and he was kind of... Jonathan, he loved Jonathan Gresham and wanted to wrestle him again. Positive, when I spoke to Joe Hendry, he, of course he's in Ring of Honour, and now he had the same conversation, so there might be a little bit of a queue forming for, yeah. for, for Jonathan Gresham. Just got to do a, a big piece. tour, it's a... Absolutely,
0: just a UK tour. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've uh, got well, ADM just just had a, a statement again. Uh, he just he, he would love to fight you. That's pretty much the the beyond end all of that statement. Uh, we've been
0: we've been circling each other for years in terms of wanting to fight each other. Um, but he is one tall guy. I struggle with tall guys because they can reach the ropes easier. him, um, but. Um, I might need to get my chin back and get into wrestling a little bit before I wrestle him first, because he would—I think—he would knock me out with those elbows of his.
1: Just, just a challenge. So, we've got uh, Scotty Swift in. Uh, just favorite technical wrestler and why?
0: Sorry, um, been thinking about this ever since I saw that. Um, that answer like changes every day for me. Um, it can be someone like Chris Brooks or Jonathan Gresham. It can be Dean Malenko. It can be Eddie Guerrero or Zack Sabre Jr. or Minoru Suzuki um, or Okada, um, just in terms of how he works holds and things like that. It really does change every day. And um, that group is basically who I aspire to be in league with. Um, and so, yeah... Right now it'd be uh, Suzuki. I think he's just the most effective heel wrestler in Japan. He's so much fun to watch uh, and he looks like he absolutely tortures people in the ring. He's a real book collector. Uh,
1: was that the inspiration behind the, the, uh, the towel over the head? i assuming it was him, not Taz. Maybe a bit of
0: both. Uh, actually a bit of both because Taz, you know, choked people out and um, as like is it Keg Evans is now using a version of the Taz mission? Um the Yeah, the uh, absolutely it was Minoru Suzuki and Taz were the inspirations behind my entrance look for sure.
1: Um, so I did get a question from Martin from Snapmere next, but I think his accounts went offline, so I don't have it. But uh, oh, no. I think it I think it was something like um he said, well, Scotty's asked uh, your favourite technical wrestler and why, but I think Martin asked too your inspirations because uh, he saw a lot of, oh, God, go by memory
0: here, um, a lot of Dean Malenko. Yeah, I think he said Dean Malenko. Um, yeah, no, that's a great question. and Yeah, absolutely. Those guys inspire me. Like, of all things, like, for me now, Twitter inspires me where I see gifts. From like Larry Afton or whatever, like that, that inspires me to go, Oh, that's so cool. I wish I, I want to try that. And so that became, and seeing like interesting transitions between holds, interesting holds in general are absolute inspirations. So people like that. And then you go back and you watch old nitros, and Dean Malenko is an absolute star for, for me in terms of that And um, experience. William Regal, Dave Taylor, Fit Finlay. They do hard-nosed British style as well. Um, Huge inspirations to me. And and that is a huge compliment to compare me to Malenko, which I think he was trying to do in that that post. Um, Yes, I've absolutely thought about being like the Iceman in terms of like, no, not no no charisma, but a different kind of anti-charisma where you just appear as a killer. I don't know if I'm any good at that, but it's definitely something um, I think about uh, in terms of round work. I compared myself to Lionheart earlier, where he was nothing but gabbing and I was just silent. I think that's absolutely part of my uh, Malenko charm. Uh, So I'll
1: ask those great questions. I'm going to ask my two ridiculous ones and then we'll we'll speak about other cool things. Uh, So the first one is, uh, what's your favourite dinosaur?
0: So I am a massive fan of Jurassic Park, um, two movies in particular, and um, Velociraptor is absolutely nightmarish, and then the T-Rex makes the ultimate face turn at the end of the first movie, so uh, go with T-Rex.
1: Classic choice. And another question we ask everyone is uh, what would in the fight, two sheep or one cow?
0: Hmm. I mean, how angry are these animals? Are See, they actually in a this,
1: this? mood? This is, this is your imagination that lets it go go anywhere. Um, I, I fear the day I get someone like a, a huge name, like a humongous name, and I ask this stupid question.
0: These,
1: these. I asked it to Joe Headred. I felt like it was stupidest person in the world when I asked it. But Let <laughs> no, it, like your imagination run wild. Two sheep, one cow.
0: Who wins? Okay, so um, right now I've moved just north of Dundee to Forfar and uh, right in the country and I actually live two fields down from uh, a group of Highland cows with their big horns, an angry Highland cow charging you with, with horns, I think has it over sheep.
1: It's fair, I, I like it when there's logic uh, thrown in, <laughs> I like it when someone picks it, Cause, I mean I'd go for the sheep just for the numbers purely, but uh, but when someone throws in a little bit of, of uh, logic to their answer it's... it's I, I won't argue with it. I also love that you're probably the first guest that's done research for this uh, episode, that you've got your match listings oh, next to
0: you. So that I can remember what, what I've done. Absolutely. Like. Well, I mean, because the Germans
1: are doing rubbish. They've out a bunch. I
0: mean, I do think it's very cool that I have a cage match. I popped for myself when I was given the cage match. Absolutely. But the... Uh, yes, it is incomplete. And... I don't know if there's a way of me sending them and proof of my identity or something like that to get it more accurate, but uh, but certainly it helps me remember, especially now that it's been you know it was April twenty nineteen was the last time I had a match, so uh, yeah, it's been a little while.
1: Yeah, it's, I tried to log in so I could make some changes uh, to stuff because I've got. I've got a bunch of results that have never been seen. Lately, well, Published on yeah. my site, but they're they're not on on Cage Match. So yeah, I was like, yeah. I can, yeah, I can like, help you guys, but no. Yeah, nothing. the
0: the missing Wrestle Zones that you have that they don't have annoys me.
1: I <laughs> uh, Well, the the I don't know if I just got banned from uh, sharing because I tried to make a uh, ADM and Emily Hayden a team on Cage Match, which I knew ADM eight uh, did that. Place. I think they've just stopped going, no, oh, you yeah. need to get new changes now. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Stop it. Um, yeah, so how did you get involved? How did you fall in love with, with Japanese wrestling? So you started watching WWE F into WWE. How did Japan get in there?
0: I was actually a big WCW guy as well. Like around the same time that Channel 4 got the thing, Channel 5 got worldwide on a Friday night. and So that got me super into Goldberg and Sting because at that and the local video shop in Mabel had a WCW tape of an hour, an hour interview with Sting and an hour interview with Goldberg, I think it was called the Superstar Series or something like that. Not on WWE Network yet, which is weird, but um, yeah. And so that obviously brought into WCW. And WCW in the mid-90s did a Japanese crossover, or quite a bit of Japanese crossover. and um, They did a starcade that was built around World Cup of Wrestling or something like that, where... Um, Kensuke Sasaki wrestled Sting and things like that. That's like the first kind of glimpses, and then like the mid, the early two thousands online scene of like message boards and things like that. You'd hear great about Great Muta and all these guys, and that got me a bit into it. And then I think it was two thousand and seven, two thousand six-ish, two thousand seven, two thousand seven, two thousand eight when New Japan started their climb to world world renown again. Um where I think I heard reviews of a of the Suzuki Tanahashi IWGP title match. And um, and then I watched that match, which is kind of well known for being a 40 minute match with like two pinfalls in it, or two pin attempts in it. Because Suzuki is interested in Pinning Tanahashi, he's interested in winning with with a hold, and so he just does nothing but holds to him and tortures him the whole match, and then Tanahashi gets like a figure four, and then he wins with the frog splash, the high fly flow, and that's like the only pin in the match, is the is the is the finish, and um, and so it's kind of it was well known at the time. That starts me kind of getting interested in it, and then Okada, they de- re debuts and then wins the IWGP title, like, a month later. Like, um, his story is really strange in that he goes away to TNA, gets misused for, like, two years, comes back to Japan, debuts again at Wrestle Kingdom with a quite underwhelming match, and the Rainmaker not being what the Rainmaker is now, the Rainmaker was, like, a side effect, um, not, like, he whipped them around and Lariat's them. He whipped them around and then did a side effect, Um, and so it didn't look nearly as cool. So he immediately changed it to a Lariat, and then a month later gets a huge rocket strap to him and beats Tanahashi for the IWGP title. And at that point, I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. And that's what got me into it. That is the main event. And then the other card being Shinsuke Nakamura and Minoru Suzuki being awesome and cool. And Shinsuke in particular being the coolest guy on the show. And that, that's what got me into New Japan in particular and I then myself and my partner went to Japan to Wrestle Kingdom 12 and where we saw Jericho versus Omega and and which has now become kind of the formation of AEW all kind of starts there and that show also had Okada, Naito and Abushi, uh, Cody Rhodes and uh, so Minoru Suzuki lost a hair match and had this amazing segment where his faction tried to save him from the hair match. But he came back and had enough honor to shave his own bit of hair off and hand it to him and hand it to his opponent. So that was amazing. And at the same time, when that was happening, when we went to Japan, we went to the New Japan shows, but we also went to a lot of Joshi wrestling shows. So Stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And so I became a huge fan of Joshi wrestlers, um, in particular Stardom. And because on that tour, I got to see Kaylee Ray and chat to her because I'd already I trained with her in Scotland and then we met again, uh, or not met again, but I was in Japan when she was on a Japan tour. And so I got to chat with her for a bit there. Yeah, and that was awesome. And Stardom Wrestling at the time was amazing. And Tokyo Joshi Pro, I am such a fan of. They're my favorite wrestling promotion in the world. Um, and actually have a big show this weekend that I'm looking very much forward to. And um, they've got Makito and Yuka Sakazaki and uh, those women have now been coming to AEW. And so that's great to see. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. I think they are so talented. My partner has a saying where no matter how good you are, there's going to be a 16 year old Japanese girl who's way better than you. And I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> I think there's so much quality talent out there.
1: Uh, it's also stunning. They probably already got ten years of experience, <laughs> at least. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. have seen people like Riho and AEW started when she she's the kid fighting Omega in that Omega versus the Kid match from like fifteen years ago. Like, and she's been wrestling for like fifteen years already, and still young.
1: <laughs> Badass. Uh, so. Of course, lockdown arrived. So I mean, you had, you had last match April nineteen, you said, and then uh, of course it was another year before lockdown began. Did you get injured? What 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 happened? That point? Uh, what,
0: what I had a says? change of jobs in my um, real life. I started working for Alberta University, and that took so much time that I wasn't getting enough time to train anymore, or I wasn't putting enough uh, yeah effort. And to make time. Um, and I've been too busy really ever since. So I voluntarily, after that match, I really wasn't feeling in great cardio shape and, or physical shape. Um, and I absolutely think I squandered opportunities after the Drew Galloway because of just how uh, my level of fitness. So yeah, I've, uh, I voluntarily said, like, I'm not going to take any more bookings right now. I need to get my body in order my mental health in order my work life balance in order i can't take time away to wrestle take time away from my job to wrestle anymore like that's that was serious parity. that was all that stuff i've been a much more um meaningful job and that wouldn't allow me to do that Um working on software for cancer support so the it is definitely on me to get back to the level i used to be at and um, i think andy wild is the most inspiring wrestler in scotland with his posts every day and um, and i absolutely want to retrain and re- restart at the beginning again and build myself back up for it and um, but the lockdown stuff has definitely changed all that um, and and yeah, it's just, it's, it's my goal is to kind of get back to where I was in like maybe 2017, 18 in terms of physique and cardio ability and things like that. That was my thing was that I could wrestle for ages because I had good cardio. I even was starting to lose that completely by the end, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, it's something that I want to absolutely improve on in the future and get better at it. And But I absolutely foresee my true return to the ring being quite a while away.
1: Um, so how, I mean, usually I ask people how they've been keeping themselves occupied during lockdown, but uh, it sounds like you're just constantly working anyway. Uh, as, as far as, as wrestling, though, is there any, is it AEW, is it Yoshi Pro, uh, What's been What's been keeping you uh, occupied, keeping your mind in the whole wrestling? Um,
0: so, yeah, um, I have a good group of friends. We're real a playlist of random wrestling and non-wrestling things on a wednesday that we all stream and just enjoy and and so day and we always generally put in a really interesting long wrestling match and then some comedy wrestling matches and then some absolute nonsense from all of our different interests and and that's kept me in the loop tokyo joshi i think is the most fun promotion in the world to watch because they have great booking great characters I mean, I don't understand the, inter- uh, the interviews. I don't speak Japanese, but I can catch up enough from the translations on Twitter. And now they're starting to get English commentary from Chris Brooks, Stuart Fulton and Mark Pickering, who are an amazing a Welsh guy, a Scottish guy and an English guy doing commentary in Japan of Japanese women's wrestling. And they are really good. They have this very Radio Scotland sounding tone to their commentary that is that i think is the highest compliment in the world because it reminds me of car journeys when my dad listening to rangers (laughs) so it's it's very very weird and very fun they have the best characters like saki sama and makito and people like that and the best young wrestling and that's my favorite thing to watch i will I catch up with everything else. I know what happens almost every week on Raw and Smackdown, but I don't watch them. I read about them. That's how I went. That's, you know, I went through the early 2000s not being able to watch most of the shows. I read about most of the shows. I read results and read reports and things like that. That's still how I ingest a fair amount of WWE because I'm not super interested in their products at the moment um, for various reasons. So I end up, end up watching New Japan, I end up watching Tokyo Joshi Pro as, and I like AEW a bit better than AEW at the moment, and so I watch those when I can.
1: Um, so I know you're saying that it's it's a, it's a fair bit away before you're going to be back in the ring, um, so we'll, we'll, but we'll throw in some fantasy can. Uh mm-hmm. where do you want to... Where do you want to be when you come back? Uh, any particular promotions you want to debut in or, or get back to? And uh, what would be the what would be the, the pinnacle? What would be your like if you have that moment? That's what you could retire
0: the day after and be quite happy. Could <laughs> retire now and still be happy. I had a, I had a fun time in, in wrestling. Um, I, I was really starting to enjoy those trips to Aberdeen for Wrestlezone. I think that they, they have such an interesting audience, like, their, the feel of their show is so different from any anywhere else in Scotland. Like, you've got Discovery that feels like a super indie, like, with all the kind of big names coming over, and ICW, which is character-based, but at the moment, no audience and all that stuff. And, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, and then you have WrestleZone, which is geared uh, more family-based. I find that really really fun i find it it, whenever i was there it was very loud and and the fans got into were super into these characters that i don't think got enough kind of um recognition people like alan sterling and damien and that were all super over in this small environment and in the city environment and and i loved it loved love being up there and so i'd love to return there in the future Uh, absolutely Um, in terms of big things, I'm, like, uh, I've never been, uh, I'm going to WWE guy or anything like that, even with NXT UK and the path being clear. I just enjoy wrestling at this level, and I just want to get better at it and fitter for myself, and, and, yeah, but fantasy booking, there's plenty of people I'd love to wrestle, and ADM and people like that, people like Scotty Swift, and, Aspen Faith, I've never ever been in the ring with him. I think that would be really good. Like, um, I remember reading all the online stuff that WrestleZone was putting up and yourself were putting up, and then I think I don't know if it was yourself or someone else that posted like top twenty-five moves of Aspen Faith, and it was all these different technical things. Um, and he had like a clutch, like a crossface clutch thing that I'd never seen before, and so I was like, oh my god, he's he's cool, he's doing really cool holds. never been in the ring with him and so I think that would be awesome um, and something to we could work something around that absolutely and I don't know if he's still super interested in being a deathmatch wrestler because that does not interest me in the slightest so (laughs) uh, it would definitely be under um, (laughs) uh, traditional rules or pure rules or something like that (laughs) world of sport
1: Um, I I going to guess it was probably Adam because if it's not me, it, it's Adam that's uh, just going absolutely nuts for Aspen uh, or Kyle because Kyle's just he'll be mental for not Maybe he'll go nuts yeah. if I didn't mention him. One of the three of us probably, uh, but no, I would guess it was Adam. Uh, but yeah, as soon as you mentioned that, like, oh yeah, that would I, I'm all in for that. No, I, um,
0: I I there's also lots of young guys and this on like uh, Bradley Evans and. Uh, yeah, the is it, Foundations of the Future, is that yep. our name? Love those guys, love to work them, The everyone. Everyone I see in WrestleZone I would love to work with, pretty much.
1: Always, always a good answer when you're on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a little bit skewed, isn't
1: it? And, uh it's it's. I don't know what it is about. I, well, I don't know why I, I guess so because it's... it's you're in you're in your dawn, the stone.
0: Exactly. Home the Absolutely. But, but yeah, but and so I'm I'm eking closer in that direction now. Been living in Dundee, now seventeen miles north of Dundee. I'm getting slow, I'm getting closer. It's, it's it's I'm getting pushed towards it by by fate as well. <laughs>
1: I know, but I always fear that this podcast is eventually just going to be right. Tell me all good things about WrestleZone. Just the Wrestle
0: the, re- <laughs> the WrestleZone cast, yeah. <laughs>
1: Honestly, if sure start up again, and uh, all the interviews. Try I've interviewed everyone. I will I will do that. I'll do that for free. So anyone, every WrestleZone you, uh, not, listening, I will you, do that. <laughs>
0: like I think, I think you guys have the history books. Like you guys know all the stories of Starling Oil and all this stuff. Like I I I only kind of briefly know it. and um, but the from you, from reading stuff over the years, you guys know the true histories or the true show histories in terms of what was presented, and so it was absolutely like like that's what I found really intriguing when I first went up there was that Damien, I'm, like from what I was reading and stuff like that, he was like this big heel for years before he was uh, a loved babyface or the loved kind of champion. Like I loved that he had this kind of history and. Um, like tenure with the fans and tenure with the company and all this stuff. Like, I love that. I love that you could go back and look at all these Aberdeen anarchies and see the progression of people and how the world title scene changed and who was, the, you know, who had a big run with it and then went down, like, loved all that, loved all that stuff. I love that you guys supported them so much and wrote so much about them because it meant that I could understand it and see, and see it. So I, I'm always hugely appreciative of, um, the stuff you guys do as well. Is this is part of your
1: your morning reading. Uh, raw results, wrestle zone review. Raw results.
0: <laughs> Where did screw that? Screw the world tech You know, screw the new day. Let's look at Sterling Oil. Let's
1: what's what's there. mixed Marshall Allen done uh, next?
0: <laughs> what's Captain allen Sterling up to? Where, why is Caleb not the champion yet? What's what's happened here?
1: I, I would I, I don't know I would love to get Alan on this but I don't know how I would, I don't because I, he, I he's got such a reputation for being hilarious that I feel like I'm just going to sit here and laugh for an hour and just let Alan Sterling be Alan Sterling for for an hour which I mean I think people would enjoy but I don't know.
0: he's the closest thing to like and I mean this is a compliment this is the closest thing to Alan Partridge I've ever seen in wrestling in terms of incredibly funny cringe but also incredibly funny like atmosphere and yeah just great just great yeah i said it there like him and caleb are an absolute star duo and i've caleb's one of my favorite people in wrestling and so uh, yeah love to work with them again in the future and all sorts there's unfinished business there i had him beat and caleb helped him win so there's unfinished business there
1: I mean, he's a Tri-Counties champion, so I mean, it all just works out. Exactly, works out that
0: way. belt is very nice. I would very much... OK, you asked me earlier about goals and things like that. I've never held a proper title belt. And would love that WrestleZone Tri-Counties title.
1: There you go, there's there's the scoop. There's the, mm-hmm. the end of it. Uh, so before we go into your social media bits... Uh, I'd quite like to ask this now That uh, start ask this as a question but if you go back to your first day of training and give yourself a bit of advice what would it be?
0: Uh, you have good cardio right now stick with that keep <laughs> keep running
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> It's very far <Forrest> Gump Just, <laughs> no, just uh, keep going run, you
0: know, r- run Garrett, run like there's uh, yes the uh, I don't know I don't know what I'd say to myself I'd say like have fun this is going to be real cool for the next few years and um, that first training session with Lionheart and um, I believe yeah it was Lionheart and yeah it was Red, Lionheart, Wolfgang and PTE I don't Jester wasn't there Jester came the second week and <laughs> gave us the intimidation and, and all that stuff the next week but uh, I would. I don't think I'd change anything. Like I've enjoyed all, all the time. Or I don't think I have any advice. I know now that I wouldn't have learned along the way anyway. So just keep keep your cardio up. Maybe lift some more weights. Uh, so <laughs> maybe, that... maybe, maybe 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 yeah maybe lift some more weights so you can do a scoop slam at least. You know, there's <laughs> <laughs> all my moves. If you've ever noticed, I never really lift anyone. <laughs> So that I can do them to big guys, you know.
1: So, uh, so when you come back in the, in your face and you're facing Crusher Crave, you can just uh, boost him like a, like uh, Andre Hogan.
0: Big vertical <laughs> <laughs> suplex.
1: Uh, but that, yes, yeah, that, that,
0: I feel like I've taken
1: all your time this evening. So before we go then, where can people find you on social media? Uh,
0: ooh, it's been a while since I've actually had to do that. When you, when you reminded me. Uh, Irvin Garrett on Facebook and then at Irv Garrett on Twitter. Um, I believe. And then I think it's uh, Irving Garrett on Instagram. Uh, Let me just double check that. Yes,
1: that's believe it is. Excellent. Uh, Perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining me today.
0: Very, very professional there. Yes, at Irving Garrett on Instagram and at Irving Garrett on Twitter.
1: Got it. We got there in the end. Uh, But yeah, thank you very much for for joining me today. Hopefully, hopefully it's not going to be as, 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 a far off in the future, and uh, you'll get back to the time full cup uh, as soon as possible.
0: One day, one day we'll see.